Hi, I'm Monique Carriol and I'm building a movement of brave leaders so that together we can tackle some of society's most fundamental needs. So I'm here to encourage you to be yourself, support you to back yourself and really help you through those practical steps to navigate your leadership and career journey to enable you to make it happen. Hi and welcome to episode two of Be Yourself, Back Yourself and Make It Happen. You may recall that series one is the recordings from my webinar series of the same name and episode two is about supporting you to be brave. You'll hear from me and my very special guest Ruby Jabara Sani who is a head of equality, diversity and inclusion in the NHS. You'll hear me say Ruby is an absolute powerhouse. She is driving change and the inclusion agenda across her organisation and her wider network. And she really is an ambassador for supporting people to be the real you, to be your authentic self at work. You'll hear me and Ruby talk about dealing with resistance, speaking up, and also what support may be available to you when you do speak up, because it's not easy to do this creating safe spaces for yourself and others and we also start to touch on developing your support toolbox around helping you to deal with resistance and building resilience and having resilience tools to support you through that. I hope you enjoy this episode. A couple of questions I want you to listen out for and maybe you can reflect on for yourself as well. How would you describe your authentic self? And what would your organisation or workplace or business look or feel like if everyone felt like they belonged? So I hope you enjoy this episode and listen out, do listen through till the end because there are a couple of points that I will pull up for questions that we had during the webinar session that we didn't get to quite fully answer. Okay, so just to remind everybody, so it's great to see that we've got people who were with us for session one. Session one was absolutely fantastic. We had our guest Tara Humphrey and we spoke and had a good conversation about a leader's mindset. I really hope that you will be able to join me for all six sessions. I know we're busy, so I really appreciate the time that you're giving up to be with us this evening. Um, but why do I ask you to join all six sessions? Well, the reason why I put the um, webinar series together was because I think these are some of the real tools, techniques, insights, and things that you need to know. And I think that will support you on your journey as an aspiring or experienced leader, wherever you are in your career journey, but really helping you to take that next step and also um, help, helping you to find ways of addressing some of the challenges that you may be going through at the moment. I know through navigating my own 20 year career in the NHS, where I started as a PA and worked my way up to an executive board level director, I absolutely faced challenges. And I know there were times when I wished that as much as there was a lot of um, theoretical information out there, as long as there were, I had very supportive managers, I know sometimes I just needed a little bit more. And I also know that I enjoy learning by debate debate and discussion and through interaction with others. And that's what inspired me to have a go at setting up my own webinar series for you. So just want to remind you, I will make sure, I don't think we did it last time, so I may will make sure that you get these series dates out. I'm pleased to say that session free registration is open now and we'll give you more information about that at the end. But today we're focusing on supporting you to be brave. 
And for me, I think, again, it's really easy to talk about things that are important, being a leader and developing your skills as a leader. But if I'm really honest with you, you also need to be really brave to be a good leader in today's world. And I think it's important that we try and support you in that. So it's not just about saying that that strap line, be yourself, back yourself, make it happen. It's so easy to say that. But actually, I hope that you would challenge me and say, Monique, OK, break it down for us a little bit more. What are some of those insights that we need? What are some of those that practical advice you can give us? And what is it we can ask? So get your questions ready. What is it we can ask you and your guests about the particular subjects that you're covering for us? So this is why I wanted to just remind you that if you can join us for all the series, please do. The other thing that Ruby will tell you at the end as well is that if you do attend every session in the series, you have a chance of actually winning a bundle of all of the recommended books that we are um, telling you about and are giving away to 10 attendees at each session. So a bit of a mouthful there, but I think I got it all out. So shall we move on to you? So if you take the slide down for me, um, just want to ask people. So if you remember, um, at the end of the first session, if you were with us, um, after we recommended the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, um, you had a takeaway action. And that takeaway action, I'm going to read it from my sheet so I remember it, was um, choose any obstacle in your way or set a new goal and visualize overcoming or achieving it. And I just wanted to ask people two things. One, if um, anyone did take that action on and have done any work on it, please let, let me know in the chat. I'd love to hear about it. And I'm just opening my chat to make sure I can see it. Um, but also, I know a number of you have reached out to me and said, Monique, I wasn't waiting for you to do your, your draw to see if I was going to be lucky and win the book. Actually, I've gone ahead and bought the book myself. So for any of you joining us this evening who have bought the book, Can't Hurt Me, do let me know in the chat what you're thinking of it so far. Do you see the connection from session one? And is anything in there that's helped you to either start taking action or to think through um, some of the things that you may be stuck with at the moment? So do let us know in the chat if there's anything that you'd like to share in terms of the takeaway action or the book. Okay, Linda. So Linda's saying here, my obstacle is taking on too much and squeezing my time. This stops me doing some of the things I should be doing. Okay, Linda, so it'll be good to hear from you as a result of that. Did the takeaway action help you with that at all in terms of visualizing um, overcoming it or achieving it and what that might look like? Because that's the thing what David talked about a lot, didn't he? He talked about how you get your minds into the right place to be able to um, have that I suppose saying it more simply, it's mind over matter, isn't it? And that's what he really, I mean, he's quite brutal in how he talks about it. But when you read what he's achieved in terms of the um, physical achievements he's had and where he started from, um, as I said to you last time, I know things resonate more with me from people who've walked the walk and he's absolutely walked the walk. So I take my hat off to him. But he really talks about that the power of visualization, doesn't he? And the power of breaking things down. So Bernie, thank you. Brilliant read. You, yeah, I love the challenges too. And I think that's something that's important, isn't it? What Bernie's saying here is she loves the challenges after each chapter. Why I think that's important is because we can take things in 
And I know I had some fantastic feedback from some of you about how encouraged and motivated you felt after the first session. But you also know how easy it is to just walk away, isn't it? To go back to your, your normal day to day, sometimes going back into our internal chatter and not really taking action, that feeling that we had in the moment when we were in the session. And that's one of the reasons why I love David's book as well, because the challenges keep you going after each chapter. That's a brilliant point, Bernie. Thank you. So Denise, I've been visualizing successfully taking the next step in my leadership career. That's brilliant. Oh my gosh. That's like music to my ears, Denise. That's so good to hear. And do keep us, um, keep us updated on your progress. I'd love to hear more. Yep, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bernie. Yep, yeah, factual reasoning. I'm all for factual reasoning. So I may sound biased, but I know I'm a logical thinker. So people who reason things out with me, I definitely will take action on that. Okay, Linda, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned um, thinking about needing to raise this in your next coaching session, because in session five and six of the series, um, we will be talking more about some of the practical support um, that you can access, and that also hopefully will be helpfully signposting you to, to people who do want to take their next steps and need a little bit more than all the next phase on from what we're covering here in the webinar series. So thank you very much, everyone. And do keep posting in the chat if there's anything else that you want to say. What I should also say is um, the 10 lucky attendees from session one have been notified and their books will be with them shortly. And I will be asking them for some feedback. So look out for it in our future sessions about what they've learned from reading the book and what they've discovered from their free copies. So shall I move us on and talk about today? So before I do that, yep, just started reading it. Um, I think that's a really good point, um, Sat, what you're making here. Um, the pandemic has been challenging, challenging for managers to manage change. Recovery will need compassion. Such a pertinent point. Thank you very much. I think you're in my mind, Sat, because you've just given me actually a segue into the focus of today's session. Um, and today, I think, again, like I said, if we're talking about being brave, I think Sats hit the nail on the head. We have to be real about the challenges that people are facing. People are facing challenges in their home life, in their pers for themselves personally, and absolutely in their professional life. And even more so if the um, career professional industry you work in um, has been profoundly affected by the pandemic. And I know that I've got a lot of NHS colleagues um, on the call today with us, and, and I will know um, and can empathize with what some of you have been through um, in the last year or so. So I think it's really important that we talk about um, what that's really like, why it's ever more challenging to be brave in this time, why it's even more important to be the real you because we're all tired. And I think that when you're not your true self, um, acting, being fake, some people call it code switching, putting some of the beautiful things about yourself away because you don't think that they should come forward at work, all of those things are exhausting. And that is not what you need right now when you're already tired, when it's already challenging, and as Sat says, and as Kate agrees, um, compassion is key. When we need to show compassion and empathy towards each other, I think talking about that, that I think supportive leadership, servant leadership, compassionate leadership, all underpin brave leadership. 
putting other people first, you know, serving people and loving them and believing that that actually helps to get the best out of people. Um, I honestly believe and I have evidence to prove it in my own career and what I've achieved with my teams that actually showing compassion, support and focusing on other people's development absolutely gets the best out of them and absolutely brings the best results, performance results and productivity results to your organizations. And meeting people where they are and understanding what they need and seeing it through their eyes as much as possible absolutely does bring the best results and also helps people to feel comfortable and confident to bring their best selves to work. Now, I don't wanna to say too much about that because I know Ruby is our absolute champion on this and I know she'll talk to you about it a lot. But just to um, remind people in this, in that I want to say that, you know, dealing with resistance, being able to speak up also underpins the climate that we're living in at the moment. Whether that's speaking up because of things that are happening in your organisation to do with the pandemic, to do with changes that have happened overnight, to do with concerns you have about um, staff members will be that. But also we know there's been a big thing about equality, about inequalities, about marginalization, about Black Lives Matters. And um, all of that has been prominent as well during the past year. And actually talking about that and feeling safe to talk about that is absolutely crucial. I think there's so much out there that talks about um, speaking up, you know, encouraging people to speak up, pull up, stand up, speak up. We hear all of that. And it's all right, you know, it's all the right thing to do. But I also know, and the honest truth is, when you do speak up, it's really tough. You know, you can feel really isolated. You can feel like you might be targeted. You can feel really scared. So I think today I really want Ruby to talk to us as well about not just how to speak up, but also how you can access support, what support you can develop for yourself, and how you can support each other in this space for those who are speaking up and for those who are encouraging people to speak up. So I'm just going to pause there for a minute. Um, yes, Linda, you are all on mute. Um, what you will be able to see is your chat functions and you'll also be able to post Q&A. So there's no distractions. We can't hear anybody else. Um, you'll only be able to hear me, um, Tia and Ruby. All right. So I won't say any more about the session. I think we can get on get on with it. Um, and yeah, and th Andrea, thank you for agreeing with me. But let me introduce Ruby. And let me introduce why I was absolutely adamant that I wanted Ruby as my guest. You'll all know from session one that Ruby's kindly given me her time to support me on bringing this webinar series together. She's given me her experience, her insight, her design <laughs> and her passion to make it happen. But why I wanted Ruby on this session today is because I describe her as a powerhouse. And I don't say that mildly. You know, Ruby is not only great at designing um, EDI initiatives and learning and development and organizational development and change initiatives. She's brilliant at that. But why I say that she is driving things and she's a trailblazer is because she's also taking action. And, you know, um, for those of you who do have worked with Ruby before or are working with Ruby now, you know that single-handedly she has taken um, inclusion, the inclusion agenda, not just the equality and diversity agenda and the stats and the numbers, she's taken the inclusion agenda right up to the board level in her organization. She's got the board to listen. Ruby ran a session where the board fully 
engaged and she created a safe space at the top level to really have a powerful and uncomfortable conversation about inclusion. It was absolutely fantastic. And I know Ruby is very passionate about looking at the practical ways to support and develop inclusion initiatives and to challenge systemic inequalities. So there's a lot of jargon around this subject and you know that I like to keep it simple. So I will encourage people today, if there's any words that we use that you don't understand, no question is a stupid question. We're not all working close to the action. We may not know what it means. Ruby's really good at explaining things, but if you don't understand what we're saying or you don't understand the word that's been used, please put it in the chat. Let's make sure that we all can follow the conversation and feel part of the conversation. And absolutely, Bernie, Ruby is extremely dynamic and she is infectious and she is an ambassador. That's a brilliant word, Sat. She is a brilliant ambassador. So Ruby, I think I've said enough about you and I think I should give you some airtime. So do you want to come in? Good evening. Good evening, Monique. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Um, wasn't even expecting that, so thank you. And thank you to everyone today. Welcome, everyone. Um, my name's Ruby Jabara Sani. I currently work as the Head of Equality, Diversity and Inclusion at the NHS. Um, so I know some of you here that are on the, on the call and joining us, so thank you for joining and supporting. Um, I thought I'd share a little bit actually about my journey and a bit about my story first. Um, and then I can talk to you a little bit about what Monique was just talking about. So I, uh, in terms of my career, I graduated in 2000 and, uh, 2009 um, in performing arts uh, in the community. Um, and being an Arab, a black Arab Muslim, being the youngest of five, um, there was a, a very strong emphasis in education. So there was that stereotype, my family fit the stereotype of you know, performing arts is not a profession. This is not something that you should be doing. But I was always the one that kind of said, no, this is something that I'm passionate about. I'm doing it. I can be, success to me was whatever you're good at, pushing forward with that. So I always stood up for what I be believed in. So I, after finishing uni, I, I started my career journey working in, in the private sector in a bunch of different call centers as a team leader. But I quickly kind of realized that actually, I was really passionate about developing and supporting people. So that's when I changed my career journey and started to get into learning and development and OD. Um, and what I would say is in the most uh, challenging moments I've had have probably been in the last four years of my career. And in the last four years is when I started working in the public sector, um, specifically the NHS and the organization I'm working with right now. Um, I developed pretty quickly in the four years. So I was promoted every single year. Um, I went from learning and development advisor, then became a manager, then became head of OD and learning. And then only in the last year, um, uh, got involved in, uh, interviewed for the head of equality, diversity and inclusion, and I was successful in that role. But why, why did I change that shift? Why did I say, I wanna be the head of EDNI actually? And what that meant for me, I chose that. And I wanted to get into that profession because I realized that actually in the last year and a half during this pandemic, the stories and the experiences that I've heard from my colleagues and my friends has really kind of opened my eyes and put, it's really put a, a stark light and shone a light on things that we already knew existed. We knew inequalities existed, 
But for some reason, the killing of George, uh, George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter movement, knowing that COVID impacted people from minority ethnic groups, more so than our white counterparts, knowing that people with disabilities were impacted more and mental health was, was, was getting worse for people from minority backgrounds and disabilities. I knew that I needed to be in an arena and have an opportunity to be able to make change. Um, so for me, that's why I got into, into that field. Um, but I thought it'd be good to tell you a little bit about what it means, actually, what we mean when we say equality, diversity or equity and inclusion. So, Tia, do you mind putting up the next slide, please? Will do. Thank you very much. Perfect. So I think when we when we talk about diversity, we know it's, it's a relational concept. So it shows, it shows up in the composition of teams and organization. And we normally measure it based on a collective whole. So when we talk about diversity, it's all about the ways in which people differ. And it's also about acknowledging the differences that exist within that. So it's basically what we have, it's the makeup of our organization or our community. Then we go to equity or equality. Uh, they both promote fairness, they're different, but they both promote, promote fairness. Equality, though, achieves it through treating everyone the same, regardless of the need. Whilst when we think about equity, it's about achieving that through treating people differently, depending on their need. So equity is all about fair treatment, advancement of opportunities and fair access to all. It brings me then to inclusion. Now, you can't do all of this without inclusion. So inclusion, whilst you generally most commonly use them interchangeably with, with what diversity is. Inclusion is, is the act of welcoming diversity and creating an environment where diversity thrives and succeed, where people feel that they can speak up and not have uh, make mistakes without the consequences or the fear of doing so. It's about people having a diversity of thought and looking at decision-making, ensuring that there is diverse people from different backgrounds that their thoughts and their opinions and their expertise and uniqueness is also considered when we're decision-making and looking at systems and processes that advance inclusion. So this is all about inclusive leadership, inclusive environments and culturally competent environments. And that's something that I'm really, really passionate about. Now, I talk about earlier why my, my development or my most challenging times was when I was at the NHS. And the reason why I say that is because I think when I started working at the NHS uh, four years ago, um, I already had three kids by this stage. So my personal life was super busy. But what I did do, knowing that I was in very uncomfortable situations and I, I was able to rise above that and still achieve and progress, that allowed me to learn a lot about myself. So it, it made me become more self-aware. Um, and what I meant by that is understanding where am I going wrong? Where are the gaps that I need to look at to kind of think about my stuff? And how do I need to behave to, to be consistent in terms of, of my development and my ways of communicating with people and engaging with people? It allowed me to clarify what my personal values was through dealing with those challenges and building that resilience. And it gave me that thought of I need to start thinking about how I'm going to balance that act of being a mum, a busy mum with three kids, you know, listening to everyone's lived experiences and trauma and dealing with that as well and supporting people. But it also allowed me to look at what motivated me. 
whether it was intrinsic or intrinsic factors, but it was what motivates me. Therefore, I need to now make that my focal point to get me to where I need to go. But what I did learn was looking at, I need to find and develop my support team. And that was something that was really important. And that allowed me to be my authentic self. So I was able to dip into that little support team or that toolbox. And there's people on this call today that I would reach out to. Monique would be one of them. Linda would be one of them. Sat would be one of them. Bernie, there's loads of people on here today that when I'm feeling a certain way or if I've got a challenge or I'm struggling with something and I need that advice or support, I knew where to go. Um, and that allowed me to inspire and empower people around me. And essentially what I really wanted to do was to listen, and Monique says this all the time, you know, when we think about inclusive leadership and we think about authenticity, um, it's about looking at listening to understand and, and not listening to respond or to defend. Um, in my personal life, I'm, I'm my, I would say my husband's probably terrible at that. He always listens to defend and, and to, to attack. But, but in, in an organization, in a working environment, it really is important to, to feel that someone's actually listening to what you're saying, irrespective of their opinion of that or their beliefs, but they're trying to understand where you're coming from. And that's what I did in my organization. I, um, I put out and I started launching networks. I, whatever I did say and whatever my values were, I made sure that my behaviors mimicked that and they, they, they were the same. And what I meant by that is that I was consistent and I made sure that people were listening to the stories of our colleagues. Um, and that's what Monique meant by when I said, um, taking it to the board. The power of stories and people's lived experience was really important. And it allowed people to feel that they had a sense of belonging. But what I did realize is that there was so much more that we needed to do. And there's still so much more that we need to do. Um, but it's through that consistent behavior and change in behavior that we will get there. Um, which brings me to the next little exercise that I want to do with you very quickly. Tia, can you bring up the next slide, please? Will do. Thank you. So I want you to all think, I just explained to you what made me my authentic self. Uh, it was me being able to come bring myself to work and bring my uniqueness uh, and my expertise into what I do. So how would you describe your identity or your authentic self? I want you to have a think about that. Um, take your time. We're going to be a bit silenced, but we need to be comfortable with the silence because it's not easy sometimes to be able to describe that. Um, it's a journey as well. And if you can put that in the chat box, that would be really appreciated. And I'll have a look. Me and Monique will have a look at what's on there. And just to say... Um... And just to say for, um, for the comments that are being made um, in the chat, I will pick up on some of those during the Q&A because I think there are some really um, pertinent points being said there that it would be beneficial for Ruby to respond to. So I'm just wanted to assure people we won't lose those.
And sorry, I didn't realise that you weren't able to see Ruby while she was speaking. So thank you, Jem, for messaging me and telling me that I've been messing about with this view to try and get it right. So I hope everyone can see Ruby now as well. Natalie, I can see yours. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult to answer. It's not it's not as easy as we think. But what I would encourage you to think about is what are what are the things that make you what are the what are your values there's deep rooted values that you have and there's things that we we would develop and become part of our identity as we progress and grow but think about your values and what what you what you stand for that could be your expertise your area of of knowledge it could be whatever you would define that to be so yeah psychological safety and being able to be my true self, absolutely. And this is about having allies, yes. And it's not, it's not the, the, when we talk about inclusion, when we talk about race and diversity and equity um, and discrimination specifically, this is not about, it's not black, Asian, minority, ethnics, or dis a disability, the disability community's problem, or uh, the LGBTQ problem, it's everyone's issue. So allies are really important to push this agenda forward. Absolutely, you need people to stand by you. Oh, I love that, Sam. I show up with curiosity, creativity, and compassion to understand what is important to people. Absolutely. But more importantly, what we can create together to change things for the better. Yes. Yeah. Treating everyone as you'd like to be treated. I love that, Matt, about um, an eternal student and never ending desire to learn. Um, and I yeah. think that's that's really important as well, isn't it? Because the follow on from listening to understand and I like the point there was a point made as well about taking each conversation on its individual merit is you will always be learning isn't it and you will always need to learn more about people who you may be familiar with or people you haven't been so I think that's a really important point and lots here about honesty lots of about honesty and integrity always very powerful and always important. It's so refreshing to see people putting all these comments in there because uh, it, it really shows that that self-reflection, having time to be able to self-reflect is really important. Mm -hmm. And Janelle, I love what you say there. Um, two words you've used there about showing up unapolog unapologetically and unashamedly, you know, and it's fantastic to know that you have the confidence to do that. And it's really what I would love to know that everybody feels that they have the confidence to do that. And it's thank you for sharing where, you, where you've gleaned and gained that strength from. Um, really, really good to hear that. So thank you. And also, Monique, we, I remember we had a conversation once about, you know, this is also about knowing when how to take constructive criticism and knowing when you, you're, you, know, you know, you don't always get it right, but knowing that it's okay to not get it right. Yeah. Um, and that's really important too, yes. Yeah, I think the, um, I know personally from my own experiences, um, I think there's a real conversation to be had about um, 
the real you and authenticity such a buzzword at the moment isn't it and what does it really mean and and I love thank you to everybody who's who's really thinking I can see that this is really generating some thought and what I would say to you is whatever you're writing down here in the chat if you've never thought about this for yourself and it's coming to you now make sure you write it down for yourself what what's come to your mind about your authentic self or your identity because I think authentic self is such a buzzword and there's almost like a checklist sometimes being developed in corporate spaces and organizations where there's certain things that people are doing just to say that that's their real self so it's it's almost double fake you know and I would someone asked me about it I saw a I don't know if Abby um um one of um, my colleagues Abby I don't know if she's on the call today but Abby had a post on LinkedIn today and she was talking about authenticity. And I, and I, one of my responses was, you know, don't overthink it. And I don't mean don't take the step to reflect back on actually, how would I answer the question? I don't mean that. What I mean is when you're thinking about how you show up as yourself, don't overthink that because you are you. And you might want to think about how you explain all the right words for what's important to you. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're overthinking, you know, do I do this to act more real? That's, an, that's, that's when you're in the wrong territory, you know? But I also understand that if you felt like you've had to wear a mask for most of your career up until now, and you know, people posting here, I see what Yvonne's saying about things have changed for you over, because of what's happened in the last year and a half. Well, prior to that, For Yvonne, I don't know if that is the case for you, and it may be the case for others. If you felt like you've been wearing a mask, if you've been covering up something that's true about your own identity, when you when it is, when we are saying, let's reveal it now, let's all embrace each other as our true selves, it might be hard for you because you've for so long you've put that mask on to go to work. That to take it off and to relax into that can be hard, really hard to do. So I think talking about this and people knowing that there were other hi Abby, I'm glad you are here because I know me and you've had conversations about this as well. It's really hard, but I want to encourage you all here to say, you know, you are a beautiful person. Your your real you is so powerful and important and it brings something to the table that nobody else can. So we should show up as ourselves. And Ruby, you're bang on the money because some of you will know that I am the ultimate swan. I may look calm on the, you know, at the top, but what is going on underneath and whatever I've been through to piece things through to get them together, you know, there's always a drama. I've got three children as well. It happens, things happen. Long as we're doing our best and as long as we're, we're stepping forward with a good intention in our heart, we step forward and we support each other. And I really want us to be thinking about that. That's not saying that it's... Um, that you shouldn't try to be the best you can at the job you do. That's not what we're getting at. What we're saying is what you're bringing to the table is valued. And it's really important that we all push in organizations or in the businesses that we're set up to open and embrace that space for everybody to feel safe in it. So Ruby, was there anything else you wanted to Yeah, I was just going to talk about being brave Mm. and, and, and actually being brave doesn't necessarily mean that you have to come to work and show up to work and do something that's so miraculous and different and, and disrupt everything. No, it could literally mean having, like for example, this last two weeks, I've had the most challenging two weeks at work um, and with the kids. And it's just been super stressful. There's been days that I've just gone, oh my God, I just don't even want to get out of bed today. But being brave meant that, you know what, Ruby, I'm still going to show up. 
And when I do show up, if I'm in a situation where I'm challenged or I feel uncomfortable, which has been the last two weeks, I'm going to try and approach that and I'm going to challenge back in a constructive manner. Um, so I started putting that goal in every single day, a little tiny thing, and it made a difference. It made me realize, oh, okay, I am challenging someone that's way more senior than me, but actually this person is just another human being. But I have an expertise in an area that they don't. So I'm going to talk to them like they're just another person mm. and share my mm. thoughts. And that mm. changed my perspective on things. So sometimes being brave is putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And but that situation can then make you build that confidence in you mm. to keep going. That's a really good point, Ruby. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think as you were saying it, I could see Christy put a point in as well, saying about, um, you know, being more vocal, but remaining professional. Something what I also um, also say to people when I'm asked for advice is um, being real and being true, you know, that is absolutely right. Being corporately professional is also important and being real, speaking up and being vocal is not saying that we're not going to maintain our courtesy, our mutual respect and our professionalism. That's paramount and that should always be there. Nothing wrong with speaking with passion, nothing wrong with challenging a point, but it's important that we all show each other mutual respect when we do that. So thank you, Christy, that's an important point. Okay, I am conscious of time and I'm loving the chat. Thank you very much for the points you're raising. And I know that um, one of the things I really wanted is for this to be an active learning community as well. So thank you for people who are sharing why they are already brave, why they are good listeners, and what's helped them to move forward in their situations. It's really good. And thank you for those who are also feeling that they are facing challenges and they're feeling confident to share those feelings in the chat as well. Really, really appreciate that. So thank you. I am conscious of time though, and I do wanna give us time to post some questions to Ruby, because um, I'm sure there will be some. So um, Tia, I know, I think I forgot to remind people <laughs> to post their questions in the Q&A. So if you have got a question, I can see there is one sitting in there. Please do post them in the Q&A um, if you can, because it helps us to be able to let the chat flow and not miss anything. So Tia, shall I come over to you? Yep, that's fine. Let me just go over to the Q&A. Um, so it's um, a comment from, apologies if I've pronounced your name wrong, it's Perpetua. I like to talk less, listen and put myself in people's posts, but I'm always hurt at the end. Perpetua, can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? So you're saying you, you, like, you're, you're, you, you like to be quiet, you don't tend to put people, could you just tell me a little bit more about that? Not sure what you mean by I'm always hurt at the end. Tia, do you want, have we got any other questions and we can come back to that one? I know I've got a question for Ruby, so if we haven't got any more, I'll be happy Not to Not in the Q&A. Do you want to ask Ruby your question and I'll just mm -hmm. go through the chat? Yep. So, so Ruby, I think you said um, about listening to understand and you were quite right in that I speak about that a lot. Um, and I definitely saw people uh, responding to that. But what can we do when um, when that's not happening? So if you're in a situation where 
you feel like you're not being listening, listened to. And I saw a number of uh, people on the conversation today saying that it's exhausting when they feel like they're not being heard. What can we do? What would you advise if you feel like people aren't listening to you and hearing you? Well, the first thing I would look at is look at your organization and, and start tapping into some of the resources that they've got. So do they have a network that you can join where you've got like minded people who have the same motivational mission um, and are struggling with similar uh, issues? Do you have a freedom to speak up guardian or a whistleblower or a union rep that you can go to to get advice? You've got your HR functions as well. So your HR advisors, they'll be able to give you advice from a policy and procedure perspective to know what your rights are as an individual. But I think there's people around you, look for someone that you can trust, that you have a good relationship with, sound it with them first. Maybe it's, you know, look at, is, is it the way that you're challenging? Is it the way that you're saying it? Is there something that you can look at in terms of how you're structuring what it is that you wanna get out of this conversation or what you're speaking up about? How much is it bothering you and what's that outcome that you wanna get out of it? But what I'd encourage you to do is definitely what I tend to do and what I encourage my colleagues to do, get a piece of paper and put down on a piece of paper, what is it that you're observing? What is it that's bothering you? How is that impacting you as an individual and how is that impacting you integrating within your team and your performance? And what outcome would you like to see? And I think if you can write it down in a structured way, it then takes off the anxiety of being able to articulate that to someone. So I think that would be my advice and what I'd encourage you to do if you're struggling with that and people aren't listening. Okay, thank you, Ruby. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions now um, in the Q&A. The second one's anonymous, but the question is, how did you advocate for yourself when it came to you getting promoted? Well, that's a really good question, actually. So I think one thing that I did do is I grabbed every opportunity there was possible, even if there was an opportunity that I thought, you know what, I'm, I, I don't know this area. I wasn't too sure about it. I made sure that I was the first one to put my hand up to take those opportunities, because by doing that, it allowed me to learn something new. It allowed me to change, get more experience. It allowed me to be more out of my comfort zone, which meant that I, I was learning more and developing more. But, but I think I advocated that by, if I said I was going to do something and I committed to that, I made sure I followed through. Mm -hmm. And I made sure I was consistent with that. So I think I also was very good at looking at my data and saying, where's the gap and identifying the gap. And, and for me, when I got this EDI role, it was me pushing and saying, hey, listen, you can't have people doing a full-time job and in addition, just tagging on EDI. That, that's not gonna work. You need to have a dedicated resource. Um, and I was actually going to leave my organization. I was offered another role and I was about to leave. Um, but it was in that case, me putting that case out there and saying that it's really important to do this, that this opportunity then came and I applied for it. And thankfully I was uh, you know, given the role. So I think it's, it's looking out for those opportunities and knowing where you want to go in your journey as well. Okay, Hope great. that's answered that, yeah. Thank you, Ruby. We'll just go over to the, on to the next question. So this is from S. Williams and her question is, what would the organization look like, feel like if we got it right? 
Sorry, that's my son screaming at the background. I don't know if you heard him, but hey, um, <laughs> that's a, a great question. And I will put that back to you because actually what does an organization look, feel and sound like is dependent on the individuals that are working in that organization. It feels good. It feels included. It feels an inclusive organization is an organization where you can come into work and your expertise, your knowledge, your experiences, your uniqueness is acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Um, that when people are having conversations with you or you have a management relationship, that they are listening to understand your uniqueness um, and how they can support and develop you in your journey and your aspirations. Um, it looks and feels like if I feel challenged by something, I can speak up about it and I don't have a fear that I'm going to get you know, in trouble for it. That's what it feels like. So I think it, it's, it's the power of, of your individual feeling and your sense of belonging to your organization. Um, but essentially that's what it is. It's how people uh, embed themselves and their uniqueness into their everyday roles within, within their organizations. Before we move to the next question, I just, I just wanted to play that back and say, yeah, it will be really good to hear from um, everybody today. It's a brilliant question, but actually it will be great to hear from you all. Mm. If your workplace or your biz- or the business that you want to create, because I know we've got business owners here with us this evening as well, if, if that was right and everybody felt like they belonged, as Ruby said, what would that start to look and feel like? It would be great if anything comes to mind just to put that in and, and to start to think about that. Um, and Kathy, that's such a beautiful way of summing it up when you feel valued. And, it, and it's that individual feeling, isn't it? How you feel. We cannot, as senior leaders, you cannot tell people how to feel or how they must feel. You can focus on how you'd like people to feel, it's so important you check in and validate that. Do not take anything for granted. Do not assume if you've spoken to one colleague in one team that you base assumptions that everybody else in that team is feeling that way. It's so important to really understand where people are. I love that, Sat, when we feel psychologically safe. Ruby, do you just want to say a little bit about that term? Because it is used a lot at the moment, isn't it? Psychological safety. Do you want to say a bit about that? Absolutely. So earlier I was talking about an environment or a a space or a team where you work, where you feel, like I just spoke, we spoke a bit about speaking up um, and being able to challenge things. So a psychologically safe environment is an environment where you can talk about these situations you can talk about your challenges your you know your developments your areas of where where's what's going well what could be even better all of these suggestions that you can do but you can do it comfortably comfortably confidently without without having the consequence of going down um, being reprimanded that's really really key and a psychologically safe environment is also an environment saying well how can I as a manager or as a leader how can I support my colleagues to be their best their best selves and and you be their best selves by looking at external processes and procedures like the HR policies looking at your strategies to develop support teams and psychologically safe environments to thrive even more 
So that's how I would describe it. Okay, thank you, Ruby. Tia, I know you're under pressure. The questions are coming in. They're coming in fast. No, that's okay. Um, We'll just go on to the next one. This is actually for both of you, um, Ruby and Monique. So the question is, how did you both find your voices and defeat the silences and to help you rise to the top of your fields? I don't know who wants to answer that first. Do you want me to take that one, Ruby? Yeah, please, Monique. Um, I think... I think, Janelle, that um, Ruby touched on some of this before where she was talking about seizing opportunities, you know, demonstrating what it is that she brings to the table not and, and not staying in her lane, in her role. And I know that because I was in the organisation when Ruby was doing that. Um, I think there's something that I spoke about in the last session about, you know, people are always going to have something to say. Um, when you're different to them, some people embrace that and some people don't. And I describe sometimes a career journey and navigating your career, especially the closer you go to the higher seat at the table, is like pushing a big boulder up a really steep hill. And the self-belief that's needed to do that, and I think you touched on what you said about yourself, Janelle, I think you've got that self-belief, is really important because people will come at you when you are striving and when you are successful. I can't explain why. There are some people who won't like that whether that's because it shows up things for themselves, whether it's because you're taking on and doing what maybe they aspire to do, but are not taking those steps for themselves, whatever it is, when you're going through that and you're pushing and you're striving, people will have something to say or people will be watching you intensely. And there's something about knowing how to to get used to operating under that level of scrutiny but Ruby touched on it before about your support toolbox. And I think there are some things about, I think I said it last time, having your cheerleaders, those who are in your corner, those who've got your back, your mentors, you know, you can have different mentors. You can have mentors that you speak to regularly. You can have mentors who you've never met. So famous people who you aspire to. I've always had, I've always worked with coaches. So from, since I've had a senior management job, I've always worked with a coach because I think that helps me to develop and deepen techniques to deal with challenging situations. And I know for me, another big thing in my support toolbox is my family. You know, my family keep me grounded and keep my feet on the ground, but it is challenging in that space. So having a number of things in that toolbox is really important. Okay, Tia, shall we take the next question? Yes, of course. Um, So the next question is again from Anonymous. And the question is, do you have any tips for how to challenge others to improve where you have no line management responsibilities over them? For example, they're not doing their job and others are taking the slack for them. I can answer that. So I think I've been in situations like that before, not in my current organisations, but previously. I think firstly, it's understand we all know that people have different motivations. People learn in different ways. People... Um, have different experiences and personal experiences so I think um, and within your your team you'll always notice the ones that don't speak up much the ones that you know don't really want to say talk a lot and express themselves too much so it's understanding the dynamics of your teams first in if you are speaking to an individual who's not performing well it's not really motivated I'd ask them how they're feeling, how, you know, how's things with them? What's going on? Try and build that trust with them first so they can open up to you. And the best way I do that is through using coaching. So I'm a, I, uh, I'm a coach, but however, anyone 
can use the coaching principles to have a conversation. So it's asking powerful questions and the right questions, open-ended questions to get people to think about things or to give you an answer um, in a different way. So to help them along that journey. So I think if you, if you have that relationship with them and you can have that conversation with them, try and ask them some key coaching questions and see, see what comes up. But first build that relationship with them initially, get them to build that trust with them first. And you do that by sharing a bit of yourself too. So share a bit about your experience and your journey that will hopefully unlock some uh, conversation and allow that person to feel more confident to speak to you. Then you can find out what is it that is not, why they're not performing. It might, it might be because there's an issue, there's a problem, there's a challenge that they're facing. Um, so it's trying to identify that. Okay, thank you. Are you ready for the next question? Yeah. yeah. Right, so this one is from B Collins. And the question is, how do you deal with situations when you raise a point at senior level, you know it is heard, but receive no response, yet someone else considered to be more senior makes the very same point with a flurry of responses or comments? Yeah. Do you mind if, do you mind if yeah. I comment? Um, so, so Bernie, I wouldn't worry about that if I'm being blunt. You know, we know what we bring to the table. And um, I think there's always going to be situations where people try and claim your work or credit or it feels like why have they why because they've got a title, it sounds more credible from them. Um, I think what we sometimes need to focus on is, is that matter at hand being dealt with, you know, and who knows that you said it first? Where where did you lodge it? Who said it? Who knows? Because I think that you'll be surprised how much people are watching. I know that I, um, in my career, I experienced situations where I felt like I was giving out a lot and not really getting anything back in return. Not really, it felt, that's how I felt at the time. And it felt like people were being promoted around me and it wasn't happening for me. And why was that? What I didn't know was that actually there were seniors watching and they were very well aware of what I was doing and how I was moving and shaking. But I also know, I think now on reflection, they wasn't brave enough to, to, to give me that opportunity at the time. Um, but it stood me in good stead because when an opportunity arose elsewhere, I took it and I had the evidence to prove it. So what I would say to you is I wouldn't worry about that too much. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep saying what you're saying. People will, there will be people watching and there will be people listening. And actually, I would also flip it and feel good about that because that shows you that if what you're thinking of and what you're suggesting is right, that someone senior is taking it, then you know you've got the capability and credibility to be suggesting those things at a senior level too. And I hope you build confidence from that. Okay, Tia, shall we keep it moving with the questions? Because I know we've got a lot and I do want us to try and get through as many as we can. Yeah, of course. So the next one is how have you built slash developed resilience when you are going against the status quo? Um, I think that goes back to what, what we were saying before about you build resilience. I mean, in, over the last year, I think none, none of us knew how resilient we could really be until we were in the situation. I've always said to myself, I'm such a resilient person. And, you know, I'm always, things are always being chucked. God always throws things my way and somehow I have to juggle all of it. Mm -hmm. But it was only this last two years, I really understood, my gosh, this has been, my resilience has really 
really increased. And I think that's because sometimes what, what happened in the last year and how I con cons was consistent with that in terms of building that resilience is always giving myself some time to reflect on what's gone well today? What have I achieved today? That was really important for me because as a mum, I was running like a headless chicken. I'm coming back home and evening shift starts. I was working all nights. It was just crazy. But me having that moment in the evening and I forced myself to do it. And Monique always also forced me actually. I remember she said to me, make sure you get up in the morning and do one thing that you really want to do. So looking after myself and self-care was really key in me building up my resilience. And, and it's easier said than done, actually, because there's days where I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. But somehow I'd get that text message or that push from my support function going, you're going on that walk today, I'll walk with you or I'll do this with you. Um, so it's reflecting, self-care, you know, giving yourself time to do something that you enjoy to do to allow you to think about all of these things and to really pat yourself at the back for the, the things that you have achieved. Because actually when you write it down, you'll notice how much it has been. Mm. And that's how I would say to build that resilience and to continue doing it. Thank you. Okay, and sorry, that last question was from Tracy, so thank you. So the next um, question is from Christy, and the question is, I'm part of an EDI group of work. They have appointed outside help to teach the how to manage the gaps we have found. How, however, I feel this is backwards because they have the opportunity to use their, their staff for their learning. Am I expecting too much and should I be satisfied with what they have done? Okay, I'm just reading that again and put it outside help teach. Okay, so this is about getting external support and giving opportunities to people outside of your team instead of the, the looking at the talent that they've currently got within within your your, your team. So I, I would challenge and speak to the to the managers or the leaders that uh, looked at that plan or you know that strategy they put together in terms of what it is that they were trying to achieve what that outcome is and I would challenge that I would say to them there's a huge skills mix within this team there's a variety of people here that have opportunities and can have the potential to do these roles why hasn't that been offered to us ask the question the only the, the worst that's going to happen is that they're going to tell you what their plan is what they're trying to achieve and there may be a reason that makes sense but there may not and actually in you challenging that, that might then change something, not now, but it might make them think differently the next time they do it. Um, so that's how I would, I would ask the question straight up and see what they say. Thanks, Ruby. Okay, so the next question is from, apologies if I pronounced this wrong, Satvinda. And the question is, how would you suggest we tackle some of the lack of opportunities for ethnic people to get into higher banding roles? I know a generic, it's no, it's a generic question, but it's interesting to get your thoughts. No, it's a good, it's a good question, Sat. Um, and I think it's all the stuff that mean you and I do at, at, at work, you know? So it's looking at recruitment and retention. How do we recruit our staff and how do we retain our staff? But it's also looking at your data. It's really important to look at your data. We spoke before about diversity is what you have. So when you look at that data and you see, well, actually there's a, evidence to back up what you're trying to want what you want to do so we know for example just giving you random statistics we know in 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 the nhs generally people in senior roles 8a and above 
the representation in terms of black Asian minority ethnic staff is, is disproportionately different to our white counterparts. Why is that? So is that looking at our interview techniques and our interview process? Is that thinking about, do we need to put some positive action interventions on and create opportunities for our minority ethnic staff? Is that looking at their skill sets and saying, well, what leadership development do we have to support these people? But not just develop them, but help them embed that into practice and then give them those opportunities to, to action those things and to practice that. So it's a triangulation of, I think, that a few things um, and looking generally at all the different systems and processes that we have together to look at those gaps that are inhibiting or not allowing people to, to develop and be promoted into those senior roles. Thank you. Okay, so the next question is from Abby. And the question is, what do you do when your values do not align with the, with the practice values of your organization? Trying to fit in surely won't allow you to be your authentic self. Mm, I, so Ruby, I'm just gonna pick up on something you said before about challenge. And I think you've answered a few questions today and you've made a few points that are talking about how to challenge. I think you've given some practical advice on how you can challenge um, within the situation that you're facing. And I think that there's something about, um, Abby, I always say to people as well, we all have the power within the realm that we're in. You may not manage anyone, so you have the power about how you express and show your values that are true to you in the space that you're working in. And if you do have a team, you have the opportunity to try and govern and galvanize your team and lead your team with those values that you that stand true to you. And then, and then, and then, and then. But sometimes you can be in a situation, exactly like you said, you're in an environment that doesn't match. And I think whilst you're in that, I would always say, don't give up on embodying the values that are important to you and leading by example in that space. However, there will come a point in time, and I saw it, Yvonne made a comment about, Sometimes being brave is about knowing when to leave that party. This party isn't for me. Yeah. And um, you can give organizations a chance. You, you do. I'm sure there's a lot of people here who have given a chance, but it does come to a point in time where it may be actually, I need to exit to the left because these are the values that I'm looking for in an organization and I'm not seeing any of them here. And I know people really struggle with, you might, you might look up an organization and apply for a job and on paper, those values are bang on the money. And you go into that organization and three, six, nine months later, you're not seeing any behavior of the sort from the leadership team. So I think you're absolutely right. You can't be your true, true self if you feel like constantly um, the space you're working in doesn't match that. But you can, be, you can be yourself in the point of, well, for what's within my control, and with what I can embody, this is the way that I'm going to do it. But it does come back to that point of sometimes um, it is exhausting and it is time for a change. Okay, thanks, Monique. Are you ready for the next question? We are. Okay, great. So this one, <clears throat> sorry, is from Jackie Hilton. And the question is, if you have an office manager who is the ethics officer and you are afraid to speak up without repercussions, how would you address, how would she address the concerns, especially when you're in a small office environment and you may be easily identified? 
So we kind of uh, mentioned a similar situation before when we spoke about, and Monique just talked about speaking up um, and, and challenging the status quo. So I think if you've got an office manager and there's challenges that you've got with this individual, um, that you're afraid, and they're an ethics manager as well, and you're afraid to speak up, it defines the whole point, doesn't it? So my encouragement to you is to, again, it's really, really important what is it that is bothering you? What is it that you're frustrated about? What is it that you're trying, what message are you trying to get across? And I think if you can say that constructively and use that same process that I told you before, which is what am I observing? This is the situation, this is how it's making me feel. And if you follow that structure and you speak to the, an individual or someone about it, if you're still not getting the result that you want, then it is about maybe looking at are the values of this organization that I'm working for aligning with mine? And is this about me looking at what's within my control and managing that now? Or is it about me taking that brave step and thinking this might not work out for me? Either way, the first step is to structure what it is that you're trying to say. And I would still encourage you to say it because what's the worst that's gonna happen? They're gonna, you know, even if they do reprimand you, uh, I, I doubt that would ha that would happen if you if you had it structured in the way um, and were able to articulate. And maybe it's not to that person. Maybe it's to someone else. Um, and say that you want to be anonymous in saying it. You don't have to say that. It, you know, you have that right to say that I want to be anonymous about it, and I don't want anyone to know this yet. But this is something that's bothering me. But it starts with having the courage to speak about it. Okay, thank you, Ruby. So the next question is from Heidi Clayton. And the question is, how would you recommend monitoring change is happening? I often look up and whilst the face is different, I can't see diversity. I work in finance, so would like tangible KPIs. That's a really good question. So I, I can answer that. So currently, I can give you an example, actually. So currently, some of the things that uh, our board has committed to is looking at having equality and inclusion objectives as part of senior leaders personal development plans so that means every year when they have their appraisal they're being measured on it they're being asked what are they doing about that they're looking at their staff survey results they're saying is there any improvement on that um, all public sector organizations will have kpis related to ed and i um, so it's trying to fight if you don't know about them go find your EDI lead and try get that data. Find one of the directors that leads on that and get that data so you know it and understand it and see what's happening about it. But I think, I, I think it is, it is about, about that, isn't it, really? Okay, thanks, Ruby. The next question is from Sharon, and the question is, hi, Ruby, what has been a great challenge in your work and how did you resolve it? Oh, God, there's been so many. There's been so many. But I think the most, the one that sticks out in my mind the most has always been challenging constructively in an environment where I'm the most maybe junior person in that role. That for me, not only was it nerve wracking, my, my chest is beating out my, my heart, you know, my heart's beating out my chest, but I, I knew I was getting anxious and I couldn't get, articulate myself well. And I dealt with that by going through doing coaching. So my one-to-one -one coachings that I did had a huge impact on how I viewed things and it changed my perspectives on, on, on how I see things. 
that really encouraged me to to just take a breather and stop and you remember what I said before you know these are just other human beings actually I'm the expert in this field you know that doesn't necessarily mean that they are so I need to know I need to tell them what I know and what I'm good at and that's how I dealt with it but I consistently did my coaching to support me throughout that so tap into your coaching and mentoring it's really really important Thanks, Ruby. So this is a question for both of you from Tracy. And the question is, could you both touch a bit more on how you encourage your team members to also be brave and create a safe space? Yeah, I'll say a little bit there, Tracy. So I think um, something about me, I always like to understand my team and where they're coming from, what their backgrounds are, what their experience has been. And, and when I became a director, I often wasn't my team members, line managers. So I, I wouldn't have much interaction with them. But if I'm going to ask you to do stuff, I want to know where you're coming from. I want to understand that. And I want to understand your ability to, and, and what, what your ability is and what drives you. And I think encouraging that in your team is to help people to feel safe. And they feel safe if you encourage them. And if you encourage them to try new things, and you praise, praise and praise again when someone does something well. You know, when we're under pressure, it's really easy to only focus on what's not what's not going so well, where you need to correct something. But actually, when people do things well, and even if it's something small, to praise them on it gives them encouragement. It gives them encouragement to try new things. As Ruby was saying, if they see how you react when things aren't going so well, if they see how you react and give feedback when it's not so good, they will feel safer. And I think leading by example and encouraging it. And also, I think Tally said it in the chat, sort of, I don't know if you can call it positively reprimanding someone, but I like to use the language, what's, what's, gone, what's worked well, even better if. So I'm still giving that constructive feedback, but it's couched in the even better if. If your team see you doing that and see you doing it time and time again, they start to pick up on it. They start to see how people respond to you and they start to see that people will come to you for advice or people will come to you for support. Or the situation I had is people kept saying they wanted to come and work in my team, but then they start to want to know why. So then you can share some of that. Well, this is the way I do it. And I think that's important. We don't always talk about the way we solve things or the way how we lead or manage people. And I think sharing that, I think peer learning is so important about when you see a team or a manager or a person and you like the way they work or you like the way they tackle things, it's good to go and find out more about that. And it's good to share that. Um, Ruby will know, I invited Ruby to my team meetings many a times to talk about some of these topics so that, it wasn't just me talking about the team were more aware of it as well. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you. And Ruby, did you have anything extra to add on to that? No, I was just going to oh, say, I think, I think Monique hit the hell on the nail on the head. It's, it's also sharing a bit of you, hmm. you know, and there's that bit about trust. So I often, when I, you know, people that don't want to speak up or are reluctant to, I am realistic and I give them an opportunity, but I'm, I'm always tapping away at them. Um, and I'll share a bit about me and show a bit of my vulnerability because that then builds that trust and they go, oh, she's shared a bit with me. Let me, I might tell a bit about me. Uh, and that's how you start building that, that, that relationship and that trust. So that's all I would add to it. Okay. So 
The next one that we have is from Eva. And the question is, any tips on how to make people come forward and talk about their experience if they have felt overlooked or not included? How do you get the um, reliable data? It's a good question. It is, and I think that's the, the, when we spoke about psychologically safe environments, again, this is about, and what I just mentioned now actually, which will also be relevant, it's, it's showing vulnerability as a leader, being approachable as a leader. Um, and, and I think by doing that um, and being consistent in how you deliver, um, people eventually start to be able to feel that they can approach you. Um, and when they do approach you, and if you say you're going to do something, even if that's mean I'm gonna call you tomorrow, you're gonna to call tomorrow, you know? And, and these things start to build that trust. And when people start to trust you, they start to open up. Um, and that's the data that you want, that rich data. Um, so again, tap into your networks. And if you don't have a network, launch one and, and, and make it about a safe environment for people to be able to share those experiences. Just by hearing other people's experiences, you know, I've experienced some of my colleagues who have finally then opened up over several weeks, but it, it makes a difference. Thanks, Ruby. Okay, so the next question is, how does ACE, which is Adverse Childhood Experience, influence your role with others? Um, do you know what? I'm going to be really honest. I, 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 I don't know how. I think your experience as a, as a, if you've had an adverse childhood experience, the trauma, it'd be the same as trauma, isn't it? So if you look at that trauma that you've experienced builds insecurities within individuals. So I think it's looking at what can you do to help you deal with that trauma and how that trauma then manifests itself in your, in your behaviors, for example, your motivation and other things. So I think it's looking at, so I, I do counseling. Um, and, I, and the reason why I do that is because I, I suffer from anxiety and I've been diagnosed with depression. Um, and that has an impact on me, not because I've had a childhood trauma or a childhood, an adverse childhood uh, experience, but because of experience, traumatic experience that have happened to me personally. And I think being able to talk about that in a confidential space with a, with a counsellor allowed me to be able to park it. And when I park it, doesn't mean I'm hiding it away or putting it under the carpet. I'm just parking it when I'm in a working environment and I, I can understand and I realise that that sometimes might play through into my day-to-day -day life. But it's, but it's okay for that to happen. We're not you know we're not robots we're mm. humans mm. um so i would encourage you to look at other ways and tips and tools using other resources like your oh look at your occupational health is there any support you can get that way to see if that can i don't know if monique you can add that was quite a difficult question it, no it, it is a difficult question and i'm glad it was asked but i think there's you've spoken about some of the practical approaches and thank you Ruby for being open about your own um, anxiety challenges that you have and how you're dealing with them. 
But I also think that we are a makeup of what we've been through in our lives, aren't we? We all are. And that's why understanding each other's story or understanding, like you said, what impacts or um, has shaped you is important, but also understanding. And I think um, it's not, I'm not an expert, so it's not my place to say you should do this or do that. But I think when you have coaching and, and if you have counseling, it normally um, uncovers some of the things that are to do with your childhood and what may be impacting how you react to things or how you perceive things in your career or in your workplace environment. So I think that's a fair answer. I think that's an important point as well, Sat. Um, not seeing mental health as a bad thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I just say, I mean, thank you very much for all the questions. I think that we've covered quite a lot here, but I think that it's also important to say, like I said before, if we've missed any, I'll absolutely be picking them up. And I, I have said to everyone that the sessions will be going out as a recording, as a podcast. And for any questions that we've missed, we will pick up answers to those in the introduction to the podcast episode. So please don't think that we're ignoring them. But as I said to you, I've said I want to keep you for 90 minutes and I don't want to run over that. So, Ruby, you have given me such a challenging job in terms of trying to sum up the three key Sorry. points. I have about 15. <laughs> but I can see that uh, I'll try my best. And I think, Matt, you've given me a big bit of help in what you said about our new strap line from Linda. But if I was listening really carefully and there was a lot in here today and, and I kind of knew this would happen and um, I'm going to put it out there to say, I actually would love to run a follow-on session from this because um, I had a feeling that the conversation would be rich and that, um, Ruby, I knew that you would be able to guide us on some real practical insights and advice. Um, so I would like to put on a seventh session in the series and actually come back to this. Um, I think there's some points you touched on that we weren't really able to get into around inclusion. I think Sat has raised some brilliant points in the chat that I haven't, we haven't even gone to intersectionality. We haven't spoken about bystanders. And as I said, I know we've had some great questions that even if we put them in the beginning of the podcast episode, I think it would benefit from having the rich conversation that we've had here today. So my feeling is with Ruby's permission, we put a seventh session on and we continue some of this conversation. So watch this space, we'll say more about that. But let me try and wrap up today so I can let people go on time. So the three key learning points for me, and I'm happy to be challenged in the chat, are taking opportunities, because I think that's about taking opportunities in your career, taking opportunities to show what you've got in your locker and what you can do that might be outside of your current role. I also think taking the opportunity um, to challenge constructively. I think lots of comments today about where people have wanted to challenge or question something. And I hope you felt that from what Ruby has guided you on, you've been given some approaches that you could take to do that. I think having time and space for reflection um, and taking some time for self-care in that is also important. So I think taking opportunities, time and space for reflection, that can sound a bit, yeah, 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 but we're all under the cosh. Again, I think Ruby spoke about absolutely feeling under the cosh in her work and home life, but also reflecting back how even if it's a small amount of time, 
what that can do for you to take that. We all know that famous saying, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So, you know, for all of us, I think it's really important to have that. And then the third point I think I heard was about starting to think about what's in your own support toolbox. I think myself and Ruby have both shared things about um, what's in ours and what's helped us both through the past year, through day to day, and also to navigate our careers. So really start to think about what's in your support toolbox. And I think it isn't a learning point, but I absolutely agree with Matt. An extra hashtag from today, please do use it if you're posted on social media, is be hashtag be curious. And why I love that is because actually that helps to help people see about the challenging conversation, starting the conversation, continuing the conversation, feeling some confidence to challenge or to be curious about your friends and colleagues that you might not know information about and you do want to know or in a leader or management position when you're not sure how to approach something but you do want to empathize or reach out be curious and I think if you're curious politely and respectfully I hope that would be well received so there's my three key learning points Ruby or Tio I hope you wrote those down somewhere <laughs> because we will need to remember them so as you know in each session we recommend a book and this is the book, I'm gonna hold it because my camera is way up here today. So it looks like I'm always looking down at you guys and I'm not, I'm trying to follow the screen. So this is the book today, How to Turn Stress on Its Head by Dr. Rani Bora. Now this book was recommended to me by my coach, Kate, who I think is on the call today, um, because Kate did a lot of work with me to help me understand about, we are all in control of our thoughts, you know, and the one thing we are in control of is our mind, Oh, not one thing, but the thing we are in control is our mind, our thoughts and our feeling. Um, this is an excellent book. It's a very practical book as well. And what it looks at is it looks at tackling stress in a different way. OK, so it really gives a different insight um, and to start thinking in a different way about stress. And it's I don't want to say the opposite, but it's almost trying to turn traditional stress management techniques on its head. Now, Dr. Bora did work in the NHS um, as a consultant psychiatrist. She uses case studies of people working in busy NHS roles, but it's applicable to anyone working in a stressful environment or anyone who feels that they are encountering stressful situations at work. OK, so I will hand you over to Ruby, who will say a little bit more about the book and we'll close today's session. Is that OK, Ruby? You still on mute? Can you I'm still on mute talking to myself? Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. So um, what I'd like to say is firstly that all of the, the points that Monique just raised right now, we will be sending you all of those learning points, um, the, the book information and the takeaway actions via email. Um, Tia, can you put up the slide uh, for the next title and theme of the next session, please, if you don't mind? Okay, so the, the takeaway action for you today. So on the, the, the book talks, like Monique just mentioned, it talks about stress and it turns stress on its head. And it's about not necessarily how you manage, how you deal with stress, but how stress can then impact your working environment and your working life. So one thing I would like you to take away is I want you to identify one thing you can all do differently to support inclusion at work. 
Um, so that's one thing that you're going to go away today and think about. What can you do differently when you go to work to support inclusion at work? Think about what we said before about what's within your control and what you can influence. Um, and, and that's what I want you to take away with uh, for, for today's session. Um, can we go to the next slide, please? That gives us the information about the next session, please. Session three. Okay, so session three is about finding your leadership style in challenging times. And that's gonna be on Wednesday the 26th of May at 6 p.m. on Zoom again. The registration is, is open and it's free. Um, and as Monique said before, um, we will be, for all the people that attend all of our sessions, they will have a chance of receiving all of the recommended books free of charge. Um, so that I hope that encourages you to join every single session because you saw from today's and hopefully if you attended the first session, how powerful they were. Um, and in terms of the feedback, it's been absolutely fantastic. What I would say is that we normally end these sessions uh, with a bit of energy. And I want to introduce you to the next song, which is all about you know, pushing forward, moving forward, building yourself. And it's just got an amazing energetic vibe. And the minute I'm going to hear it, you know, I'm going to be up and dancing and it's just going to put me in a really great mood. Um, <laughs> so what I would ask you all to do and encourage you whilst this song is playing and you're enjoying it, there's any final thoughts, any comments, final comments that you want to say, anything you want to say about today? Um, any ideas or things that you want for that extra session that Monique and I are going to be planning? Um, put it please in the chat function um, and I thank you so much for joining us today it's been so important that you've been open honest to shared your, your thoughts and ideas um, I really appreciate it and I hope to see you soon but I'll, I'll link over to Monique who yes. can say a final word before we put the music on yeah <laughs> I don't think I should um, keep people away from the music for too long but just to say again Thank you for your interaction and participation. You know, we had just under 90 people on the call today. It's amazing. And the amount of participation tells me that the topic areas that we've chosen are the right ones for you. So thank you very much. I'm glad you felt uplifted, encouraged, um, safe to have the conversations that we have, um, that you've taken more than the takeaways, that you've given me some pointers too. But also if I could just ask, um, Tia will post a link to the feedback form. As you can imagine, this will really help me in terms of future sessions, what you may want, and also for ones, the rest of the, the back end of the session, so the next three. So please do also, if you can spare me five more minutes after you've had a boogie to fill out the feedback form as well and absolutely register for session three. We've got a great session planned for that. Um, and I can't wait for you to join me, but you all know that I really appreciate it. And I hope that you are all feeling that we are together and this is our brave leadership community and we are building and you are helping me build this movement of brave leaders. It is my life's purpose and I'm determined to do it. So just thank you for being on the journey with me and let's continue doing it together. So thank you very much. One of the questions that we were asked that I wanted to pick up on was about networks and it was what have you noticed makes a network effective in a workplace? How can networks break out of the echo chamber and get through to senior leadership in a safe and meaningful 
away, especially when they've had lots of great safe space discussions. So Ruby touches on this when she talks about the network that she formed at her organization where I was a board member. And I remember, and I mention it in what I was saying about when the network came to the board and how powerful that session was and how Ruby recreated the safe space. And there was a very honest and emotional, but but quite uncomfortable conversation that I felt was much needed. I wanted to build on the response that Ruby gave and she's given me some more points to share with you because I know lots of you will be in this position, whether you're leading and driving the network that you formed at work or whether you are part of that network. And I know sometimes there's frustration in that space where it feels like there's a lack of action or it can feel a little bit tick box. So I think it's quite important to talk about this. The first thing I wanted to say was about what Ruby said about making sure you're clear on the priority actions and themes that are coming out from the discussions that have been held in the safe space of networks and having a route into the board. Who is the senior leadership sponsor? Who is your executive sponsor for that network? So important that you have that. Two other questions asked that we didn't get to ask. Um, raise and answer in the session that I know uh, we touch on content relating to these in episode five developing your support toolbox and episode six taking your next step make it happen so please remember these because they'll and look out for what's said about them and what I also will say to you at the end of those sessions one was about have you always had a support team and if not how did you go about finding your peers who could support you at work Was this a conscious thing or did this happen over time? So a few pieces to that one. We definitely talk about that in episode five. And then the other one is about how do you reinvent yourself and pick your career up after a bad employment experience? And I remember having a similar question to this come up in one of our other episodes and I'm fairly sure it's episode six. So listen out for it there as well because there is a conversation about that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave me a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. Can you please also share this with friends, family members or colleagues? I'd really appreciate it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Monique Carriol or connect with me on LinkedIn if you haven't already. I'm Monique Carriol on there too. And also click the links in the show notes to join my mailing list. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode. Take care and see you soon.